welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. come as no surprise. <laughs> the microphone is so. Um, we're reading from Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20 if anyone would like to follow me with their Bible. Um, the title, The Birth of Jesus. In those days Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. May God add his blessing to the reading. Thank you for that. Um, Crash is on today, Esther, isn't it? It is, yes. So I don't think we announced that before. So if you've got a child who's crash age and you want to use the crash facility, please feel free to go and do that now. Well, I don't know if you noticed uh, before that video that was on, but uh, it's so true, isn't it, that Christmas is a, a wonderful time of year, it's a precious time of year, but it's also a very busy time of year. And if we're not careful at Christmas time, uh, the true meaning of Christmas can easily kind of get drowned out or pushed out uh, of Christmas with all the festivities that we have on. And so days like today, our Christmas service, are a great chance and opportunity for us as a community to stop and to celebrate Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Over the last few weeks, we've been doing a Christmas series, uh, looking at Luke chapter 1 and 2, and our series has been called, With God, All Things Are Possible. The title of today's message is The Gift, 
that surprises the world. Now, you may have heard the Christmas story that we just read many times before, but I want you to bear in mind this morning that what we're reading about is one of the most extraordinary events in history. In fact, if there was a trinity of the most important events, if there was a podium of the most important events, the birth of Jesus would be up on the podium right next to Jesus' death and Jesus' resurrection. This is a life-changing event. And so let's not lose it this morning in the familiarity of Christmas. Today we've arrived at chapter 2 in the narrative. And we come to the moment when the gift that God gave the world, His one and only Son, is unwrapped for all to see on that first Christmas day. Now gift giving is a huge part of Christmas time. Who here is up very early on Christmas morning with the kids? Only a few of us. Gee, I don't know the rest how you guys manage, but for us, it's always this tension. Um, Kim and I just want, you know, another 10 minutes of shut-eye, but our kids want to get up at an obscene, ungodly time of the morning and open their presents. And so there's this wrestle going on and this tension, but we have found, unfortunately, that the volume and the uh, weight of numbers always wins out. And so we are always up at the crack of dawn opening presents. But giving and receiving gifts are a huge part of the Christmas tradition. And it'd be fair to say that we've all had gifts over the years. Uh, some of them have been good and some of them have been not so good. In fact, some of the gifts we get given are, you might even say, just completely useless. Uh, this time last year, just leading up to Christmas, I bought myself a gift. It was on special, so I thought I'd buy myself a gift. And so I went over to Officeworks and I bought this gift and I'm wearing it this morning. Um, it's not my lucky jocks, in case you're wondering. I've got them on as well, but I'm talking about my Fitbit. And uh, this time last year, I went and bought a Fitbit. And uh, during the year, I've had a lot of fun with our Fitbit. Um, Kim bought one at the same time as me and a couple of our friends as well. So Rob Shrewers and also uh, Christine Walker have bought the Fitbit. And um, it's, it's really good because it counts how many steps you do every day. And then on the computer, you can kind of, if you hook up with your friends, you can see how many steps they've done as well. And so throughout the year, there's been a bit of friendly banter and a, a bit of a competition going on. But it became clear really early on that one person alone was going to win this Fitbit challenge. And that person was Rob Shrewers. I don't know if he's training for the Olympics, but if you uh, add up all the steps that Robert DiCostella, Steve Monaghetti and Craig Mottram did in their prime, he does more than that in a single day. And so I don't know how he does it. And I was wondering during the year how he does it, because I would go to the gym and like jog 6Ks, and I'd get home thinking, yes, I've got this, and see that Rob's 10,000 steps ahead of me. And I think, how does he do it? And so I did a bit of investigation, and I popped over his back fence, and I took a photo, and I put it on the screen, and this is the photo that you will see. <laughs> this is Rob's dog with the uh, Fitbit on the collar. And so I think every morning he just uh, yells out, come here, mate. I don't know what the dog's name is, but he comes over and he puts the Fitbit on. Then he just sits by all day while the dog runs around and, and he wins the competition all the time. So that's not actually Rob's dog, but I imagine that's what happens every single morning while he rests up on the couch. If only that were true. But I have found out that for me, the Fitbit has proven to be completely useless uh, because I have worn this thing every single day of the year, and I am no fitter now than I was this time last year. In fact, I think I've gone backwards. And so I'm thinking about taking it back and asking for a refund. I was complaining to a friend the other day about it, and he whispered in my ear that you actually need to exercise in conjunction with the Fitbit. And if I had known that this time last year, I may not have bought it. And so this year, my New Year's resolution is to actually add a bit of fitness to the regime as well. Sometimes we get gifts that are completely useless. Sometimes we get gifts that are predictable. 
when I was younger. I remember a couple of times uh, I was blessed enough to be given a bike for Christmas time. And most years it's a challenge to work out what you're getting. I used to have to sneak into the lounge room when mum wasn't around and um, kind of get down under the Christmas tree and pick up the one with my name on it and kind of try and feel it to try and work out what it is. And if I couldn't do that, then sort of peel back the sticky tape and kids, just block your ears for a moment, peel back the sticky tape and kind of have a little peek in there and don't look at me like that, you've all done that as well. Um, but you sort of try and work out what you get for Christmas. But when you get a bike, it's kind of hard to hide it. You know, I go into the lounge room and mum's wrapped up the bike, every bar is wrapped in wrapping paper. But you walk in and you look at it and you don't scratch your head and go, is it a basketball? Like it's, it's pretty obvious, it doesn't matter how much you wrap it up, it's a bike. And some gifts are like that, they're just very predictable. But then there's that gift, which is my favourite type of gift. The gift that's a surprise, because it's much better than what we expected. I read a story recently of a young couple, a uh, guy and girl, they've been dating for a number of years, and as is often the case, the, the girl was putting a bit of pressure on to, to get engaged, and the boy kept resisting and saying, no, no, I want to finish my college degree, and I want to get uni out of the way, and then get a job, and once I've done that, then we can get married. And so the, the whole idea of getting engaged had kind of gone on the back burner. And so one Christmas, leading up to Christmas, the girl had said that she wanted a 50-inch TV for Christmas. Doesn't want much, it's a 50-inch TV. And so she told her boyfriend, dropped a few hints, and they went shopping for this 50-inch TV. And they found the one she liked, chose it out, and then the boyfriend said, I'll come back later and I'll buy it for you for Christmas. And so a couple of weeks later, under the Christmas tree, this 50-inch box appears, all wrapped up beautifully. And it comes to Christmas Day and the boyfriend puts on his Santa Claus hat and he starts handing out the presents. And he gets to the 50-inch box and he kind of lifts it over and he gives it to his girlfriend. And she receives the box and she realises straight away that it's a lot lighter than what it should be for a gift holding a 50-inch TV. And so, quite intrigued, she opens the box and inside the box uh, she finds the TV box and inside that there's another box. And then inside that there's another box and another box and another box until she gets to one tiny little black box. And she opens it up, and inside is a 50-inch TV. No, not really. Uh, Inside is a sparkling engagement ring. And it turns out that he gets down on his knees, and he asks her to marry him, and she says no. No, she doesn't really. She says yes. And it's a wonderful day, and it's a wonderful gift, because it's a gift that is surprising, but so much better than what she was expecting. Jesus, in many ways, was a surprise gift for mankind, And he was better than anyone could have imagined. Jesus surprised the world. Last few weeks we've been talking about the expectation people had for a Messiah in that particular time of history. God's people were waiting for this Messiah to be born and they were expecting him to be a mighty king, this this leader, this powerful military leader, a a spiritual leader, a, um, a, a political leader and they thought he'd be a military leader. And so they're waiting for this guy to come. And they were really expecting this guy to come and they were excited about it because they wanted political power and they wanted to overthrow the authority of Rome. That was their expectation of a Messiah. Not only that, but according to the prophecies, the Messiah that they were expecting would come in the line of King David. And so he would be from royal bloodlines. This was their expectation. Now, in the last couple of years, we've seen some pretty famous royal births. I'm talking about uh, Will and Kate. Some people go a bit gaga over Will and Kate. But they've had two, two children now. First of all, they had a son called George. We know him now as Prince George of Cambridge. And then on the 2nd of May this year, they had a baby girl called Charlotte, who was known as Princess Charlotte of Cambridge. And at the time, it was all uh, a pretty big deal. 
I mean, people were lining the streets. The paparazzi was sort of camped outside the house behind a bush just trying to get a glimpse or more to the point, a snapshot that they could sell for thousands of dollars. Uh, The media right across the world were talking about it, speculating whether it would be a boy or a girl. Magazines were fighting for the exclusive story. And when it came to the time for Will and Kate to have this baby, they had the best accommodation, the best doctors, the best care available. The treatment was fit for the birth of a future king or queen. When the Messiah was born, Jesus Christ, the people were likely to have had the expectation that this man would be treated in a similar way. To come from royal bloodlines, he'd have a bit of a fancy birth and he'd be looked after in a way that a future king should be. But what we see in this passage is that the coming of Jesus surprised the world and it was nothing like what they expected. So much so that none of the people eagerly awaiting the Messiah were even there at the birth. Now I want you to think for a moment about the birth of baby George and baby Charlotte. Climate control room, the best doctors in the land, premium care, comfortable, hygienic, born in the land of the Queen. Now I want you to think about all of that and then compare that to the birth of Christ. In the first few verses of Luke chapter 2, we see that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census be taken of the entire Roman world. Now, this was done for taxation purposes, and unlike our current government, governments back then wanted to get their hand on every single cent of tax they possibly could. That was a joke. If you missed it, I was being sarcastic. They say there's only two certainty in life, that's death and taxes, but my uncle's here today, and he's a man St Kilda supporter, and we know there's three things that are certainties. Death, taxes, and St Kilda will never win a premiership. <laughs> three certainties in life. Amen. My uncle just said amen. <laughs> in the passage, we see that Mary and Joseph had travelled, most likely on a donkey, although it doesn't say that anywhere in the text, from Nazareth to Bethlehem as part of this census. Each person was required to travel to his or her, her own uh, land, And they had gone to Bethlehem because it was the town of David and Joseph was in the line of David. Now it was approximately 130 k's away. Now you can imagine this, hot, dusty, uh, on a donkey or a camel or even walking, uh, a lady, you know, really pregnant. And I can just imagine all that bumping up and down probably brought the birth on a lot quicker. But when they got to Bethlehem, she was ready to give birth. Now I want you to notice when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the text we see that nobody lined the streets. We see that there was no fancy wrapping paper on this gift. There were no doctors present. There was no luxurious nursing facilities, no climate control, and it was far from hygienic. Instead, Jesus was born and Mary couldn't even get a room. She gave birth in what was more likely to be a cave carved out of a rock face than a stable, surrounded by a bunch of animals and everything that goes with a bunch of animals. Jesus was wrapped in some rags And placed in a manger, which we heard before, is just a fancy word for an animal trough. And so here is Jesus placed in this manger. On top of all that, they'd come from a place called Nazareth. Now in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 46, we kind of get a glimpse of what people thought about this place, Nazareth. It wasn't a destination, a holiday destination, a place that you'd want to be known to have come from. It's one of those dodgy places that, that people didn't really want to associate with. And in the Gospel of John, one person makes a comment, could anything good come from Nazareth? And so we're talking about a baby here in these circumstances that would be known as the King of Kings. The name above, Prince George and Princess Charlotte. The name above, Prince Charles and Queen Elizabeth. The name above all other names. 
This baby was the promised Messiah. But it's clear that the birth was not going according to the script that people had in their head, and yet this was the very will and plan of God. What we see in Jesus' birth, I really believe, is a reflection of what we will see in his life, in his death, in his resurrection. He's not a king who's grandiose, but he's a king who is a humble servant king who did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life for the sake of many. Jesus surprised the world in his birth, but as we read through the Gospels, he also continued to surprise the world in his life and his teaching. He says things like this, instead of hating your enemies, I command you to love your enemies and to pray for them. He says it's more blessed to give than to receive. He says if someone strikes you on the cheek, don't get revenge, but turn the other cheek. He says whoever wants to find their life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. He says, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. There's countercultural teaching. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. His teaching was radically different. It was countercultural in his culture and it's countercultural in our culture. It's totally the opposite to what so many people believe and think and the way they live their life. His life and his teaching surprised the world. But not only was it his birth that surprised the world and his life and teaching, but his death also surprised the world. His followers had just got used to this Messiah being around. They'd seen the miraculous. They were ready to now conquer Rome. And before they know it, there's Jesus hanging on the cross. It was a surprise. They're thinking, what's going on? This guy's meant to rescue us. And now he's dying the death of a criminal. And he certainly surprised the world in his resurrection when he came back to life on the third day. I said before that the title of this message is The Gift That Surprises the World. Now you might think that's strange because we're talking about an event that has happened in the past, in history. But if you're a Christian here today and you believe what I believe, you know that Jesus isn't dead. He's actually alive. He lives in us. The Apostle Paul says, it's no longer I, but it's Christ who lives in me. And so the same Jesus who was born and lived and died and rose again, the same Jesus who surprised the world, still surprises the world, and he should surprise the world through you and I, through the lives that we live. This Christmas, we've got a chance to surprise people as we love them and as we serve them. You know, it breaks my heart when I think of how so many people think about Christianity and what they think of Christian people. I've heard words like critical or uh, hypocritical, the moral police, harsh, judgmental, boring, irrelevant. That's what people think of us so often. And that makes me so sad because our role is not only to glorify God, but we are called to be ambassadors of Christ. We are meant to reflect him and represent him to the world around us. And if that's what people think of Christianity, it's clear that we're not living the way we should be living and we're not representing our saviour the way that we actually should. Jesus surprised the world in his birth, his life, his death and his resurrection. And as we live for him, we should surprise the world as well. Jesus surprises the world and today he should do so through us as we live countercultural lives of love and service. The kind of humility we saw in Jesus' birth is not what we would typically expect of a king or of royalty. And yet in verse 9, his lordship is confirmed to the shepherds through the supernatural visitation of an angel. We've seen this a bit in the Christmas story already, angels appearing. 
And it says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of God shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. I particularly love verse 10 and verse 11. It says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. A saviour has been born to you. You see, Jesus in his birth didn't bring what the people were expecting or even wanting. He didn't bring political power. He didn't bring earthly freedom from the Roman Empire. But sometimes the truth in life is this, that what we want is actually not what we need. Jesus was even greater than what they expected because he came to bring them not just freedom from earthly stuff, but ultimate freedom from the power of sin and the power of death and ultimately to open the way to relationship with God the Father. Jesus was a surprise gift and yet a gift who would bring great joy. Do we believe that this morning, that he has brought us great joy? Three of us do. That is awesome. (laughs) I want you to picture for a moment that this Christmas time, you're expecting me to give you a gift. And the gift you're anticipating is that you're expecting me to give you a brand new car. Now, I haven't said I will, but you've misconstrued some things I've said and and somehow in your head you've decided that you're expecting me to give you a brand new car this Christmas time. And so on Christmas Day, I hand you a little small box and you're fully expecting to open that box and find a car manual and a set of keys for your brand new car. And so you take the box, very excitedly, you open it up and you get halfway through and you realise that the gift I'm giving you is not a car, but it's actually a defibrillator. Now, you may not know what a defibrillator is, but it's one of those machines that if someone's having a heart attack, you kind of connect them up to it and it gets their heart working again. Now, if I gave you that, you might think that's a little bit weird. You might think, I don't have a heart problem. Why is this guy giving me a defibrillator? But you might also think, well, it's kind of nice. He's looking out for me. It's not what I expected and it's not what I wanted and actually it's not even what I need. Now, picture the next evening that you're sitting at your dining table. And you've just enjoyed a lovely lamb roast. And you're waiting for dessert, just wondering what you might have for dessert. And as you're thinking about that, your chest starts to tighten up. And at the same time, sweat starts to pour from your face and you cannot breathe. And it's clear what's happening. You're having a heart attack. Now let me tell you, at that point in time, you're not thinking about the car you didn't get. But you are really grateful about the defibrillator that I gave you the day before. Why? Because it saves your life. You know, in many ways, I think people kind of see Jesus the same way. He's kind of nice to think about just at Christmas time. He was probably a great guy, a a wonderful teacher, perhaps even a prophet. But he's not what I want. He's not what I need. I don't have a heart problem. Sure, I've made a few mistakes, but I'm not a bad person when I compare myself to people around me. I'm actually a pretty good person. And besides all that, the world's got so much to offer me. There's so many things that I can have apart from Jesus that just seems so much more appealing. I want the big house and I want the fast car. I want all the goodies. I want to travel the world. I want the bank account. I want that relationship in my life. And and by the time I put all of that in my life, it really leaves no room at all and no time at all for Jesus. Well, the truth is that one day, each of us are going to stand before God. And on that day, 
all of those earthly things will actually mean absolutely nothing. But in that moment, we'll be pretty grateful for Jesus. In that moment, we'll have no doubt that he's the greatest gift that we can ever receive. Because we'll be giving an account not only for all the good things we've done in life, but we'll be giving an account for all the sin in our lives. And in that moment, we're going to realize we do have a heart problem. And it's a lot bigger than we think. It's a heart problem that will actually separate us from a God who's holy. Our sin will separate us from the God who created us. And in that moment, God will pour out his justice and his anger on all of those who have sinned. And apart from Christ, that's going to be a terrible, terrible moment. And all that stuff in life won't be able to save us. In that moment, if we're in a relationship with Jesus, he will be our only hope. He will literally be our saviour. If we've received the gift of Jesus, sin will no longer exist for us because it's been removed from our lives in a relationship with him and it was placed on him at the cross and when he stretched out his hands for you and me, he said, it is finished. And so therefore, he has paid our punishment for us. Punishment is no longer required and God the Father will no longer see us as sinful on that day but rather as righteous, holy and forgiven in Christ. That's the gospel. It's glorious good news that we were lost, that we were broken, that we walked away from God and yet Jesus died in our place for the sins we've committed and when we receive him into our lives, we can be saved not just for now but for all eternity. It's wonderful news and it's great news to remember at Christmas time. Perhaps the most well-known verse in scripture is John 3.16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave... He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. You know, I think the characters in this story knew just how significant this birth of Christ was. The angels in verse 14 cried out praising God, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. The shepherds also glorified God for all they'd seen and heard But they also had to tell everyone about it. Verse 17 says, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. And then we have Mary, Jesus' mother, in verse 19. It says, Mary took all of this in and she treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. What a great thing to do at Christmas time. This Christmas time, may we be filled with a fresh sense of awe and wonder like the angels, remembering how good God has been to us. May we be so grateful like the shepherds that we look for every opportunity to share the hope that we have in Jesus. And may we not allow Christmas to be swallowed up by everything else but Jesus, but instead take the time to ponder these things in our heart like Mary. Today I want to finish by leaving you with a question and a story. The question is this, how do you respond to the greatest gift ever given. Because a gift is only truly great if it's first received. My granddad, who's a retired pastor, told me a story a couple of years ago of a grumpy old man that he once pastored in the life of one of his churches. This grumpy old man had been involved in a pretty serious family breakdown. He hadn't spoken to his family for years and years and years. But one Christmas time, his daughter decided that enough was enough. It was time that they were reconciled. 
And so she went round to her dad's house on Christmas Eve and she left a big gift on his porch with a note on the doorstep to say sorry and that she wanted to be reconciled to her father. The man woke up the next morning and went to his front doorstep and to his surprise, there was a surprise gift. And so he started by opening the card and he read the card first and he saw who it was from, his daughter. He hadn't spoken to for years. And before he opened up the gift, he picked it up He walked it all the way around to his daughter's house and he dumped it back on her porch. A few weeks later, he passed away, never ever being reconciled with his family. It's a tragic story, an all too common one. You've got to wonder if he had received that surprising gift, how his life may have been radically changed. But he didn't receive it. He chose to reject it. In the same way at Christmas time this year, What will you do with this saviour called Jesus? Will you receive him into your life and say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me, for taking my sins upon yourself? Or will you reject him, saying, no thanks, I can do things my own way? Will you pay the price for your own sins, never ever being reconciled to your heavenly father or experiencing the abundant life that he promises? Jesus is the gift who surprises the world. And this Christmas, if you were to receive him as your Lord and Saviour, he may just surprise you as well. On behalf of Kim and I and the core team here at Follow Baptist Church, we want to say a huge thank you for a great year in 2015. Our Christmas service, it's a great time to just stop and say thanks a lot for being part of this journey and for pressing into God and for being passionate about him and for serving in so many ways. We want to wish you a very Merry Christmas and we want to encourage you this Christmas, every Christmas, in every day of your lives, to ponder and remember Jesus, the gift who not only surprises, but also saves every single person who calls on his name. Let's bow our heads and we're going to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Christmas time. Lord, we know it's busy, we know there's things on, but Lord, there's nothing more important and more pressing, more vital than stopping and remembering what Christmas is all about. That you were born... Not only born, but you lived, you died, and eventually you rose again on the third day. Lord, we're so grateful for all that you've done for us. Lord, we thank you for this extraordinary gift that may have surprised people. But Lord, we thank you that uh, for those that are here that have received it, that we have received it and you have changed our lives, that you have brought us freedom and hope and incredible joy. And we say thank you for what you've done for us. We receive you, Lord, as our Lord and Saviour, and we say thank you. Lord, I want to just pray today for anyone here who doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Maybe they've never really heard about Jesus, never really pondered the Christmas story. Or maybe you've heard it before and you've thought, yeah, it's not for me. Well, I really pray today that God's doing something in your heart, that he's speaking to you right now as you sit in your seat. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to give opportunity to people here that don't yet know Jesus to today receive him into your life and receive what he did on the cross for the first time. And if you were to do that today, it would be the greatest gift you could ever receive. It's a gift that has eternal consequences. That our great prize would be forgiveness from sins, would be eternal life, but most of all, would be relationship with Jesus. And so while you're sitting there in your seat today, I want to ask you, if that's you, and you say, Luke, today I want to come to know this Jesus you talk about, I want you to lift your hand and say, Luke, that's me. 
Jesus is here today. He's here with open arms. He says, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. And whoever opens the door, I will come in and I will be with them. So while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, is there anyone here today, at this Christmas time, for the very first time, or maybe you've committed your life to him before and you want to come back to him this morning, you want to say, yes, I need Jesus in my life. If that's you, just lift your hand while no one's looking around and I'd love to pray. Is there anyone here today who want to take that step? Say, yep, that's me. God's speaking to me this morning. I want to come to know Jesus. I can see that one hand there. That's fantastic news. That's so good. I'm just going to pray for that, that one person. I'd love to speak to you after the service. But Lord, I thank you for this lady today that's had the courage to lift her hand and say, Luke, that's me. I want to know Jesus. I want to come to him. I want to know that my sins are forgiven and that I will spend eternity in his presence, free from suffering, free from pain, having the joy of knowing him as my Lord, as my Savior, as my best friend. Lord, I pray today that you would come into her life. Lord, I thank you that you will forgive her sins. And as she comes and repents, Lord, I pray that you would come into her life, that you would give her a fresh start, that she would be a new creation in you. Lord, I pray that we'd come around her as a community, encourage her, walk with her, and help her to grow in you uh, every day and in 2016 as well. And so we thank you for this. It's a wonderful occasion. In Jesus' name, amen.